1: pronouns are WGA, SAG, and fuck that asshole that runs <laughs> Warner Brothers. Those that are our pronouns. I mean, I can't. I literally can't anymore. And I just want to say, if we're talking about the strike, can we please always mention the salary of every network executive every mm-hmm. time you're talking about it? Because I think it makes a lot of sense. Because you know what? All these issues are intersectional. So I'm Liz Winstead, and as always... I'm joined by my delightful, talented, lovely, wonderful co-host, Moji Olive O'Dell.
0: Hello. It's day two of Netroots, and we have a lot to cover.
1: And to break down Tommy Tuberville's latest anti-abortion stunt and all of the ongoing difficulties accessing reproductive care in the military,
0: we're going to chat with Allison Gill of the Daily Beans Podcast. Plus, we'll dump a steaming pile of the latest of Oboe news on you. Come on. That's right. But first, we're going to bring up Allison Gill.
1: Allison!
0: Allison, <laughs>
1: we were going to give you like this cool, proper intro, and I think we're gonna just because people might have come to you from MSW, Daily Beans, all the cool podcasts that are on your network, but I don't think a lot of folks know your career, and especially in this Tommy real moment we're having is directly related to the work that you did when you were at the Department of Veterans Affairs. So let's talk about Tommy Tuberville, because what the fuck is happening?
2: Uh, In May of 2022, after the leak of the Dobbs decision came out, but before the Dobbs decision came down, thanks, Alita. That was a really fun Mm. period of time, I think, for all of us. Yeah, Uh, I wrote an op-ed to The Washington Post, and I said, this is going to be very, very bad for national security and the military. Because all of these trigger bans are going to go into effect around the country. And people in the military, like I was in the military, can't choose where you're stationed. It's not up to you. And when I was in the military in the 90s in Florida, uh, I survived uh, military sexual trauma. I was raped, which resulted in a pregnancy. And I was able, because of Roe, to walk right off base outside of the gate, go to a Planned Parenthood, and receive abortion care. Uh, That would not be feasible now in many states which means that active duty service members who serve in the military where rape is an occupational hazard would be forced to carry their rapist babies to term. So that was just, this is just one group of people that I was like immediately thought would be impacted by the fall of Roe. So I wrote an op-ed and I said, Secretary of Defense Austin, uh, President Biden, please allow for leave for reproductive health care in the military, because normally you have to put your leave chit in. It has to go up the chain of command. The chain of command, by the way, who decides whether or not to prosecute rapes in the military and the chain of command where your rapist resides. You have to put a chit in, get it approved like six different levels. You have to say why you're going on leave. Sometimes you can't get leave unless a nuclear family member passes away. Like my grandpa, I had to get special, like it's a lot to get leave in the military. So I said, please stop that, please grant leave, no questions asked, and then also pass the Military Justice Improvement Act. Well, they flubbed the Military Justice Improvement Act, but four months later, Secretary Austin, who who read my op-ed along with um, the president, made the decision to change their policy and grant leave for uh, active duty service members, no questions asked. And they actually took it a step further and helped pay for the travel. So I was very pleased with that. And now for the first time in 164 years, we don't have a commandant of the Marine Corps that threatens our national security. There are hundreds of people waiting for promotion, generals and admirals, because, because a
1: football coach says, "Because Tommy well, Tuberville, you,
2: you're bullshit, mm-hmm. wanting to be able to have an abortion." Because Tommy Tuberville wants to force rapist uh, babies to be born in the military, uh, and he's using throwing out the Hyde Amendment as his uh, reason, which has zero to do with this policy. This isn't even
0: about paying for abortions; it's just about granting people the opportunity to leave.
2: No, like I told you, to it's have not their like, abortions. It's not like Secretary Austin is in the Planned Parenthood making it rain. Like, here you go. It is just granting the leave and paying for the leave. And then they're mad about paying for leave. But you all always have always, since the beginning of time, paid for military leave. It's not an hourly job. you know. An E1 gets like $900 a month and that's It doesn't matter how many days that person works. So I'm extraordinarily pissed off right now.
1: Well, and I'm so glad that we have this incredible good fortune to talk to you because I've been reading all the headlines and following this and like constantly when we talk about abortion care, there's, they cover it from this policy angle, which is yeah, okay, but getting the detail of the full experience of what somebody would have to go through is barely ever covered. You laying it out in this way is something that needs to be in all of our media all the time because the public needs to be outraged, Yeah, right? And they claim so much to love all these people who serve our country, and yet this is the kind of shit that they do. And like, if you're stationed in Arkansas or in one of the 24 states that either have full total abortion bans or have abortion bans that are on hold and going through a court system or have very little access to care, it's about military readiness. Or it's about saying that we don't believe that people who have capacity for birth should really be in the military.
2: He's also, I think, in Tuberville's Alabama, we have some pretty strict abortion laws, And, and he's also pretty mythed that President Biden snatched Space Force away from him. You, I don't know if you know about yeah. that. Yes, sex. we do. But,
0: because of abortion. Yep. Uh-huh.
1: But also, why was President Biden continuing Space Force, which I think we can all ask. <laughs> Mike Pence's frivolity into... Let's <laughs> not even go there. Let's <laughs> right? Go there. I mean, it's just like, is it that exciting to have a new uniform?
2: Hey, drain the swamp, but let's build a whole new bureaucracy that costs billions more than we need. With a stupid
1: name. Okay, so we have Tommy Tuberville's Fantastic situation, but I mean, even though you said you had the ability pre row to walk into a Planned Parenthood lead base, do that healthcare. I'm just going to go out on a limb here, you guys. I'm going to break some news: healthcare in the military hasn't always been awesome. Are, are, are you are you okay? Did I spill their coffee with that statement? I just <laughs> want to
2: see. Um, yeah, I was the first, one of the first women in the nuclear program. They didn't have a gyn on base. Um, and I needed to just get a pap smear. I was like, 600 men and me? I need some birth control.
0: Oh, there was... <laughs> you know, it just happened. So in I... like 2020, they finally did a study, the first one in 30 years, um, about sort of healthcare, reproductive healthcare in the military. And mm-hmm. there's all kind of stuff that was crazy, like... High rates of unintended pregnancy, not just because of sexual assault, but in general, uh, no access to abortion care, no access to contraception. And this is really wild. No access to or limited access to menstrual hygiene products?
2: No. Yeah. (laughs) No. But I needed a pap smear and they sent a dentist.
0: Oh, again, there's this odd belief. A
1: cavity is a cavity. A cavity is a cavity. This is what we just No matter how small. The men of the
2: military don't see a difference between a mouth or a (laughs) vagina. Where can I stick it
1: before 9 a.m.? All they know is the mouth won't shut up. So, yeah, exactly. I mean, a vagina so dentata drive me, so takes on a whole lot
2: Dentata. They had to drive me to Jacksonville from Orlando. That was the closest place to get just a
1: pap smear. I'm like, you know, first of all... Give me
2: the Q-tip. I'll do it myself.
1: It, I, it's hard. Enough. It, like, just having to drive from Orlando to Jacksonville seems like enough of serving your country. Yes. Having to be huh. in Florida at all. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you have done way more than your share and suffered more than most. Thank you. Um, so... Having said that, as we're looking at, I guess, what can be done? Because I think that's the whole thing is I feel helpless so often these days. It just feels like when we scream and yell. How is it, Allison, that we can help amplify this as citizens to bring the outrage it deserves yeah. to a media outlets to be telling and framing the story in the way that you just did?
2: Um, we can all support uh, citizen journalism and podcasting and storytelling. Uh, I think it's so, so powerful, so much more powerful than a bunch of angry pundits on um, yelling at each other on CNN for like, who gives a crap what that former FBI guy thinks of my uterus? I don't care. Uh, but but doing what you're doing with your podcast, what we're doing with MSW Media, what y'all are doing with by giving ears to to storytellers and citizen journalists and podcasts. Being here at Netroots Nation, um, networking, uh, organizing, uh, those kinds of things, are, we just have to keep at it in the old grassroots way because we're not like the other side. We aren't fascists. We aren't going to get together in a room and have six of us challenge 100,000 Republican voter rolls in a state. That's not what we do. We, we aren't here to curb people's voting, we want to expand it and I think that that's the best thing that we can do. I mean the fact that we all came together and voted him out in 2020 and now we've got a president and a secretary of defense that's willing to put these policies into place is a testament to all of the work that we've done. And we just have to keep doing it.
1: You know, Alison, I would love for folks to hear you did this incredible work while at your time working at the VA. You also got your doctorate, which is incredible. But then you um, transitioned into the storytelling and podcasting. Um, I wish you could just... Give people a little bit of the whistleblowing what you decided to do. For folks that don't know Allison, the story's really compelling, and I would love for you to tell it really quick before you go.
2: Sure. Um, Trump fired me, so I fired him. That's the (laughs) long and short of it. Uh, I worked at the Department of Veterans Affairs for over a decade. It was Obama who inspired me. Um, He said, serve your country. I was a disabled veteran, so I couldn't go back into the military. So I got a job at the VA. And you should ask your Republican and MAGA family members, how have their Republican leaders inspired them in their lives? You'll find that there's no answer other than hate and rage. So I went to the VA. I was there for 10 years. I was helping people get access to timely health care. And then the Mueller investigation happened. And I, I had been a comedian for 10 years. And I was like, wouldn't it be fun and funny to start a podcast documenting the Mueller investigation? We'll call it Mueller, she wrote. And I'll have two other comedians on there. And after that got kind of big and the Mueller report was about to come out and Bill Barr and Donald Trump wanted to spin the hell out of it and hide the findings about the breadth and depth of Russian interference in our election. They didn't like that. So they did the old Mick Mulvaney trick where they move your government job across the country and hope that you'll quit. And... So I said, "All right, fine. You know, fire me." And then I took twelve weeks of leave, uh, which I had earned. Nobody paid for it; it wasn't on your tax. Did diet.
1: you just go have like twelve abortions
2: during that? time? I had nineteen abortions. <laughs> okay, amazing. So it's incredible. I didn't even need them. I was like, just do <laughs> just it. Just
1: inseminate me so I can abort again on leave.
2: That is what we do. Huh. I came back from leave, and they wanted to do a fact-finding investigation, Trump's Office of General Counsel, into my podcast.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, oh, podcast. so that it feels great so far. Podcast. So
2: after a while, they couldn't find anything because I'm I'm by the book. I'm an ethical effer. So can I say? Uh, you can yeah. say motherfucker. I'm an ethical we're motherfucker. We're on your network. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So they couldn't find Hatch Act violations. They couldn't find leave violations. So what they ended up doing is because they wanted me to, they wouldn't fire me, and I was supposed to be reporting to D.C. and I lived in San Diego, and that's kind of a bitch of a commute. I put in for a reasonable accommodation request for my PTSD to be able to work remotely from San Diego until they fired me. They finally approved that, but then uh, relieved me from my duty, saying I could no longer work for the Department of Veterans Affairs because... I have PTSD and I'm medically unfit from being a disabled veteran at the Department of Veterans.
0: (laughs) Oh, my
2: And the dumbest part of this is that had he just kept me on, I would not have been able to fundraise because it would be a violation of the Hatch Act. So in March of 2020, he freed me up from the Hatch Act. I went out and raised half a million dollars with me and my friends, and we fired him. So that's the story.
0: That is so great!
1: Um, Allison, MSW, we feel so honored to be a uh, podcast on your platform with other amazing pods, and we love all the work you're doing, and I you're love one of our heroes. Yeah, you're
2: a part of it. You're my hero, too. Yay!
1: Yay. Allison Gill, everybody! Yay. Oh my God, so much fun. Can we just take a point of privilege to have a conversation amongst ourselves and with you yeah. about Threads? we have a lot of feelings about
0: threads i am are you you're on threads i'm on threads yeah no it's a it's sort of like moving from one abusive relationship to another abusive relationship it does feel yeah, very much like it feels that like that so yeah the ptsd moved me off twitter ish onto threads ish Um, along with everyone. But I was like, is this a cultural moment? It's a little
1: bit of a cultural moment. I think like, I'm also a nostalgic person by nature, as far as like, things that reminded me of connecting and old Twitter brought this community, you know, and to me and I met like, I would say there's five people in this room who I can identify that I became friends with because of Twitter. And Threads felt like that. And so I decided to stick to Threads.
0: I joined Threads also, I was like, I think it was soon after the you can only view 600 tweets, which is, to be honest, more tweets than I've been viewing in years, a day. But nonetheless, I don't want to limit I don't care. I don't, I if, I, to if I can have 18 abortions and four weeks of leave, I will have them. Yeah, Thank you very much.
1: I feel like that's fair. Alright, mm-hmm. so I think I'm going to stick with threads. I think it's kind of weird you can't delete it, but also can't you just not post on threads? Like I don't know. I feel like that was an option for me to make choices. But you know what? We're not here to really talk about threads, but I felt like we could throw a little bit of thread combo in there. We're really here to talk about abortion and the news of abortion. So Let's
0: get to our big old repo stories of the week, Liz. Let's Hit get set to the, it.
1: Alright, here we go. A big old self-managed abortion study just came out, and it's great news. A study gathered data from over 1,300 participants in Argentina, Nigeria, and South Asia, and it revealed nine out of every 10 individuals successfully self-managed their abortions with the two-pill regimen of mifepristone and misoprostol. That's huge, right? Right. Self-managed. Self-managed, but even more exciting... Among those who took misoprostol, the, the pill that's not under threat, there was a 95% success rate. Yes. I know. It feels really great. So it almost feels like taking a pill that empties your uterus and gives you your freedom is as safe and effective as taking a pill that jumpstarts your boner. Uh,
0: safer, actually. Amazing. Safer, actually. Safer. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I got news. The mitten state goes gloves off. Uh Oh, we got some Michiganders here. For 30 years, Michigan Republicans blocked all progress in funding for reproductive health care. Cut to 2023. And the first Democratic-led legislator in 40 years, what the fuck, (laughs) said, hold our beer, picked up a pin, and said, we are funding this bitch. Yes. They added 56 $4.4 Point four million million for 12 months of Medicaid postpartum aid. They reinstated a Medicaid family planning and cancer screening program. And last year vetoed $3 million in proposed fake clinic funding from the budget. And this is exactly what reproductive justice looks like and is the true meaning of pro-life policies.
1: Indeed. Go Michigan! Go Michigan! where on the mitten can you get reproductive care everywhere (laughs) that is so awesome and i am full of statistics today this was my job to be uh, the statistic person a new statistic shows that the number of patients traveling to indiana from other states more than tripled in 2022 seeking abortion care while another 2022 statistic shows that abortion is the only reason anyone ever traveled to indiana is that true no, well, maybe. I don't know. I feel like it might be. I feel like, yeah, probably. let's just go with um Google it. Do your own research. Do your own research. I just did mine and told you something that's more than likely probably half true. But that's not the reason that we're telling the story. The reason the story is important is that Indiana has been a safe haven. and as of August first, Indiana will have a total ban on abortion, which, there's a lot to unpack here. First, the fact that Indiana was considered a haven state for really anything should have all of us a little shook. But when that ban takes effect, the rush to get abortion care in states like Illinois and Minnesota is going to look like Black Friday at a Best Buy. So and, and Michigan, Michigan
0: and, yes. and Michigan.
1: Okay, Michigan's a little bit like kind of you're you're fluffing your feathers a little bit you're making some people jealous right we got michigan in the house and they are just like yeah and us and again we did a good thing but i i live part of the time in minnesota so i'm doing the same thing where it's like oh i'm sorry do you live in the state that actually became a haven for families of trans folks (laughs) oh oh i do i live in that state
0: Sorry, right, I got one more story, Liz. Oh, yeah, one more. Rifra, but make it abortion. Um, though you wouldn't know it from reading any recent SCOTUS majority opinion, it turns out a very narrow conservative interpretation of Christianity isn't the only religion in this country. What?! People of faith representing Judaism, Islam, and other branches of Christianity in Kentucky, Indiana, and Florida have filed lawsuits using religious freedom accommodations to circumvent abortion bans that they claim violate their faith. Will this work? Who knows? If not, maybe they can find a hypothetical website to build. Uh, at this point, we should just try anything. Anything. Right? Yeah, anything. who just knows? See what But sticks. I do
1: love this. And we on the pod have interviewed the folks in Kentucky yes. who are filing a suit. And it's brilliant. And it's just, it's the true test to see if they actually make it through the court system. If those freaks are going to be say, oh, Judaism, is that really a religion? <laughs> You know, my friend Phil grew up in Williamsburg. I love this story so much. Grew up in Williamsburg, New York, Hasidic family. He thought that the New Testament was the paperback version of the Old Testament. (laughs) No idea until he was like 12. So um, I really like the way people are teaching things. Um, it's incredible.
0: Well, that's our steaming news dump, some quick hits. And if you want up to the minute information about researching, resourcing and accessing abortion care and funding your care, one of the best places to go is ineedana.org.
1: We all know if you're listening to a podcast that we can't do our work without the support of our fake sponsors. So Moji, tell folks who is making this episode
0: possible today. Oh, absolutely. I'm so excited. Do you love seafood, but hate any fish that identifies outside of the gender binary? Surf and Turf has you covered. It's the only meal subscription service consisting of fish that only identify as one thing. Surf and Turf will never deliver meals that contain these freaks of the sea like swordfish, monkfish, catfish, What are you, a cat or a fish? You cannot be both. So subscribe to Surf and Turf, and you can say with confidence, no imposters on my plate. Surf and Turf meals are delicious, nutritious, and delivered right to your door. Start your Surf and Turf subscription today. That's Surf in T-E-R-F, Turf, and get your first month free with discount code, all real imitation crab meat. Surf and Turf, because who wants to eat a Spectrum? Mm, Not
1: me. Mm -mm, Wow. Yeah, Yeah. They
0: sound terrible, Liz. You know, I just feel (laughs) like that is just J.K. Rowling's. Food delivery of choice. These people would be flustered by tiger shrimp.
1: They would be. It's a lot. It's a lot. We have the worst sponsors. You know, this might be a good time to plug our Patreon so we don't have to keep reading these uh, shitty fake ads that we keep doing. So if you want a Patreon, you know. Go for it. We're on Patreon. It's time now for the game that we do every week. It is faster than Monopoly, more fun than taboo. It's six degrees of abortion. The concept is simple. Moji chooses a story from the news that is seemingly not about abortion. And I have six chances to somehow tie it to abortion. It is a stretch. I often win. I get mad when I lose. Moji, (laughs) what is the story
0: today? You may have noticed uh, just a few weeks ago, the uh, Supreme Court ended uh, affirmative action because this country has solved racism. Um, and that was really good news. Also, it turns out Major League Baseball just signed their first Southeast Asian draft pick because we're fully integrated everywhere. His name is Arjun Namala and his parents are from India. <laughs> He's from state. He was raised here. He's pretty exciting because I feel like, you know, we need a little more diversity in all places. Uh, and so, Liz, I would like you to take this opportunity to link Major League Baseball to abortion. Okay. Um, what team does he play for? Uh, the Blue Jays, the Blue Hawks. anybody knows Blue Jays? Any sports ball people here? Okay, okay. So, so first
1: of all, you're giving me a question about something (laughs) you know nothing about, which I think is a highly sus.
0: I mean, there's baseball; it's America's pastime. I know,
1: and I'm about to bury your ass. So, just like I'm just milking this. (laughs) So, in Major League Baseball, you have minor league teams that people come through the ranks. Uh, Minnesota has a team called the St. Saint Paul Saints. Right before the pandemic, the St. Saint Paul Saints had abortion access front day. You lie. It was Lady Park Justice Day, <laughs> I think. Yeah, we were still there. And I threw out the first pitch and I called the game with the announcer. They had it on the screen. It was like, welcome, abortion, abortion, abortion. It was the greatest day on earth. So, um, you work there anyway, you worked there then anyway. Um, so I'm going to go with the St. Paul Saints, part of the minor league into the national league, into the whatever team you don't even know that this person is playing for, but congratulations to him. Um, and I did it in, I think four. It was
0: like three or four. Thank you very much. much. And
1: I'm highly disappointed. That you forgot I threw the pitch. And fun fact, um, one of the writers at Abortion Access Front went to Wesleyan and was the star softball pitcher there. So she trained me to throw the ball, and I made it to the mound. I (laughs) nailed it on the mound, but I threw that pitch 90 fucking feet, y'all. It was exciting. Thank you.
0: Very proud, Moji. I feel like you're not... I'm not getting the riches I deserve. <laughs> um, no, it's well, fine. I'm not a sports ball person. I just was excited that they finally have a Southeast Asian uh, player.
1: No. Um, like, oh, I, there. I, I, I mean, I feel like it's <laughs> great. Um, we always have to leave at Netroots time for questions about anything you have to ask or want to ask about any abortion related anything, stories we told today. Does anybody have any questions they want to ask that we can help make you smarter, better, indulge your rage? <laughs> So the question is, this wonderful person works in the reproductive justice area at Moms Rising and lives in Houston, wanted to know a little bit about pre-Dobb's stuff, uh, significantly the SB8 law out of Texas that um, sort of kicked everything off in September of 2021. 2021. And then how abortion bans are affecting people of color, people who live in border states, um, low-income folks in general. Did I hit it correctly? Okay, (laughs) awesome. Well, let's start with SB8. For those of you that don't know what SB8 was. SB8 is the law that in Texas that says if you are aiding and abetting somebody who is trying to access abortion care, that you can be hunted down and reported and um, could possibly be rewarded with a fine of $10,000. And
0: it's a civil, it's a civil civil suit. suit. That's
1: right. Texas has done the most. And SB8 is also, it's a continuation of this omnibus abortion ban, if everybody remembers when Wendy Davis had the sneakers on and did the whole thing and all that, like that bill kicked off a chain of amendments and redos and SB8 is part of that larger, huge bill. And so they just kept piling on and piling on and piling on to that bill. And now there have been copycats In states that also have this track down law, Um, Idaho right now has a law that's being challenged where they have taken it to the next level of saying they're defining helping a minor access care as trafficking. They're calling it abortion trafficking. So you can't help them. For example, like if somebody said, can you give me a ride to my post office box because they were having... Abortion pills like mailed there. You couldn't drive them. that would be a crime. Never mind just going across state lines. but it it's a blatant violation of, of commerce and being able to travel freely within your own state.
0: I think it, it is also, I feel like one of the one of the real impacts of that bill is it sort of makes your neighbors and everyone around you, Uh, someone to be afraid of or someone to not talk to. I think they talk a lot about the chilling effect of that. Mm -hmm. And it's one that could, you know, there's larger things where people are like, well, an Uber driver could be indicted and that there's that too. But it also just means like, you know, you might want to ask your friends like, hey, you know where I could find some pills. And it's like, I'm not going to say anything because you might be out here trying to trap me with SB8. It's really insidious. Yeah. um and really mean.
1: And also SBA covers if you and I were talking at a Starbucks about abortion and you were like, "Do you know any place to go?" and I told you some busybody at the table two tables down who heard our conversation could report. And so that part's wild. And and then to get to how that really affects people who are living in borders and things like that. Yeah, that's like a whole podcast. But one of the things that I think is super important to remember and tie in is there's just so many insidious aspects of the anti-abortion movement. And one of them is something called Sanctuary Cities. Has anybody here, who here has not heard about Sanctuary Cities? So what Sanctuary Cities are, again, it's co-opting really good work that progressives are doing. And they have gone into these communities where they have a friendly city council And they declare these communities abortion safe havens.
0: Safe havens from abortions? I just didn't want you to make it sound like these are places of protection. They're basically, yeah, yeah. individual communities are essentially able to say, this is a sanctuary city for the unborn. You can't bring pills in here. You can't have an abortion provider. Meanwhile, usually they're little tiny towns full of older people who don't need abortion. And it's a terrible place to start a business for abortion because you'll have one client.
1: Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But what's happened (laughs) after Roe and and right after Dobbs, um, I happen to be on the board of an independent provider in Texas. So what independent providers are doing, which is so cool, and some Planned Parenthoods are as well, is that they're looking at border cities in states that are accessible for abortion. Well, what these sanctuary city folks try to do is, if they get word that somebody is thinking about, let's say, opening up a clinic, right across the border, you know, and wanting to stay in an area that can really help, let's say, in Texas, folks who live in the Rio Grande Valley, right, so that they don't have to travel really far. They will find and hear the city that maybe the clinic is thinking of going to, knowing that it will be a haven for people to cross the border, and then they will work their magic on the city council, and that city council will declare that city a sanctuary city for the unborn, and so clinics are having a hard time trying to do the best they can in navigating to help folks in these spaces. But I know that, for example, Planned Parenthood of Minnesota is talking about opening up on the border in the southern border of Minnesota to help Iowa patients. So I think that when it comes to that, those things are happening. And I think that that's why we really need to be thinking about and paying attention to this Mifepristone ruling that will be coming any day because abortion access through the mail Uh, And people accessing abortion pills via telemedicine for folks who are rural, low income, also just like unsafe to travel. If you're people of color, that's going to be a refuge for a lot of folks. And so, expanding access to help people learn how to self manage their abortions, making that okay. And when I say making that okay, I think we all feel like it's okay, but actually doing the work to culturally changing the conversation to make it okay. There's people that still think abortion involves cutting. There's people that don't understand that abortion is shedding your uterine lining and the contents of your uterus. That is what it is. And there's people that also, and this is a piece of information to tell anybody you know, if you know people who are living in hostile states who need to take medication abortion, have gotten it in a means that is not a direct line from, let's say, a healthcare provider. If you orally take medication abortion, and for any reason you need to see a doctor, or a physician. The drug is not detected in your system. It is not detected. Nobody will know you took the pills if you took them orally. You can say, I think I'm pregnant. I'm hemorrhaging. This is all available on the CDC website. I'm just quoting information that is out there in the world. I'm saying this for reasons that I might have to, but that is just true. (laughs) The question was, a person lives in Orlando and is thinking of moving because of politics, abortion bans, I'm guessing every other... Literally everything else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like... Puddin' Boots is what I like to call the governor, is not doing um, amazing work when it comes to... Anything. Right? And uh, just ask for thoughts on Florida.
0: Um, On one level, I'm like, absolutely, like, get out of there, save yourself. But also the way that we change these places is that the good people that are there stay there and fight. But we call can't sacrifice ourselves for the movement like, yeah. and nor should we have to, but I feel like there is something to be said for staying and fighting and doing what you can where you are. Uh, that said, I, I would not, I live in New York <laughs> and uh, it's got its problems, but I'm probably staying there.
1: <laughs> I would also say too, um, when it comes to Florida, Florida has a ballot initiative happening right now for those that have not been following, and it's very impressive. They got 130,000 signatures in the first month, which is really incredible. By February, I think they need, do you need seven in your state, 700,000? I can't remember. Um, But uh, people are doing really good work, and I um, I think that like so many states, it's doing an assessment of where people are ready to fight. The statistics that we're reading, the outrage of the public around these abortion bans is there. It's just really, are you going to do something about yeah. it? Are you finally going to prioritize this and understand it to be a human right? Because, you know, we've talked to Amy Hagstrom Miller, who is a an independent abortion provider, who is an incredible person. She's the person who's brought the like two out of the last three cases to the Supreme Court, owns clinics around the country. Um, you know, she says, and I think this is so wise, we've for so often talked about abortion as an individual right which it is it is your individual right to have that abortion but the truth be told that is a that is a place of privilege because an individual right to have an abortion yes it's we shouldn't have to tell anybody if we've had one but we should be fighting for abortion like it is a community good mm-hmm. like you want everyone to have it and we should be approaching it from that lens it we are in a healthcare crisis We're in a human rights crisis, and we're in a crisis of community. We want our communities to thrive. We want everybody in these communities to really feel like we care about them. And so silence on this, it's not an option, and it's not okay just to vote against bans and against shit. You have to be actively, proactively creating legislation that's going to expand access to care, and people need to say that when they're running, and those are the candidates that we need to support and uplift.
0: And on top of creating legislation, um, individually changing hearts and minds, talking about the good of abortion, talking about your abortion if you've had one, talking about the abortion that you've supported if you haven't had one, I feel like the reason we get legislation passed is because we get people to think about it and to care about it as actively and as passionately as I hope everyone in this room does.
1: Yeah. If you need to move, please just stay and and work on that um and work on that ballot initiative you know, let's get that going. But I, I mean, I hear you. I'm not going to tell anybody to live in a state of oppression, but I also I also don't love when I hear like, why don't people just move from that state? Or, you know, like, or why, let's just have, to have that state, you know. Fall in the ocean. Yeah. And it's just like, we travel around the country. That's like part of our work is literally going and working with these communities. And And the only reason I wake up every day is knowing how hard Folks in Arkansas and Alabama and Mississippi are working, knowing that the change is going to be small, but also devoting their lives to say, I will not let this one narrative stand. And I I don't want people to think that that is who we are because they love those places. They're great. If you go to any of those states, they have so, every one of those states has so much to offer and wonderful people that live there that we need to be like uplifting their work too, so. Thank
0: you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's our show. Thanks to Allison Gill for joining us on this show today. And thank you so much for listening and for being here live. Please support the pie, like, subscribe, and show us some love with a five-star rating. And don't forget, you can stay up to date on all the latest repro news between episodes at Abortion Front on all the socials. Let's make a difference and have fun doing it.
1: Next week, we'll be coming to you from Terminal West in
0: Atlanta, Georgia. With comedian Baron Vaughn. Plus a reproductive justice bonanza with Kwajalein Jackson, Agbo Ikor, and Inyang Joku. And the hilarious lawyer from It's Always Sunny, Brian Unger. Join our Patreon. You'll support great content and get cool FBK merch and experiences. All pledges support this pod and all of our activism at Abortion Access Front. Pledge at patreon.com slash feministbuzzkills.
1: Looking for where you might fit in to do some abortion activism? How about jumping onto our Send in the Gowns action? Tired of politicians acting like they're doctors? We've got toolkits on how to call out these gynoticians both in person and virtually. Check out the link in our show notes for more or the link at aafront.org slash gowns And if that doesn't float your boat, check out our activist calendar where you can find something that does fit right into your little activist lifestyle. Go to operationsaveabortion.com,
0: click on the activist calendar to find out stuff you want to do. FBK is edited by Remedia Tournay and is produced by Abortion Access Front. And as a final treat from us, we leave you with Jason Storms, national director of the anti-abortion extremist group Operation Save America, showing us his whole sexist ass as he reveals his hot take on birth control,
2: the reason we have abortion in the first place is because we first became a birth control culture, and many people from that weren't even Christians. New York Times wrote an article in 1930s. So you can read it for yourself, predicting much of the the family dysfunction, the devaluing of human beings, the devaluing of children, the devaluing of women, that would occur if we legalized birth control and mass. Because what that signals is the end of civilization. Feminist Buzzkills, the podcast from Abortion Access Front. New episodes drop Friday. Listen, subscribe, give us five stars. I'm Allison Gill, that's AG from Mueller, she wrote in the Daily Beans, the premier podcaster for all things special counsel. And I'm Andrew McCabe, former acting director of the FBI and unlucky guy who was right in the middle of getting Robert Mueller appointed special counsel in 2017. And we're joining forces to document the investigations of Trump by the newly appointed special counsel, Jack Smith, as it happens. Whether it's analyzing court filings, letters, indictments, or prosecution and defense strategies. Or asking questions about special counsel regulations, rules governing classified documents at trial, or the scope of the probes. We'll be here first thing Sunday mornings to cover the latest breaking special counsel news and answer your questions with the assistance of some of the best experts out there. So follow, rate, and subscribe to Jack wherever you get your podcasts your only source for all things special counsel